0: All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a kiss-related podcast by
1: the Lord, for the board
0: We hope that you enjoy. Hi, I'm Julian Gill. Well, someone had to be. As you know, there's a real scary holiday coming up soon. Election Day. So to get you all warmed up for it, we're going to do a Halloween show. Joining me today, Joe. Welcome back. It has been far too long. It's good to see you again. He's People's Elbow on the board. 69th Blizzard, Ken. And the almighty
2: Marcus, almighty Mark. Good to see you. How's the album coming along? Excellent, excellent. Should be out in, you know, maybe about a month. I'll have it out, CDs and vinyl later to come.
0: Oh, cool. So I don't think we've got any really big, you know, urgent headlines going on with KISS. Obviously, they've got a show coming up um, Saturday in Connecticut. And then, of course, it is the Creatures of the Sea, KISS Cruise 694 or whatever. Um, so let's get into our Halloween special. And today we are going to talk about all of the kind of Halloween-y stuff KISS has done throughout their history. Um the good the bad the ugly the missed opportunities the i guess the highlights that we all like and i gotta say we're gonna start off with the one that probably started off so many fans um with the national exposure that it got when originally broadcast was it i think it was on halloween eve in 1976 um the paul lind halloween special and i i gotta raise my hands up and say i just watched this for the first time all the way through yesterday i've seen you know the kiss clips you know many times Mm -hmm. um i have never sat through the whole show and i gotta tell you watching florence henderson sing is like the (laughs) anti-viagra it just left me in a state of brewers droop and i think i was lucky that uh Pinky Tuscadero was at least on the show to
1: give it a little bit yeah, of lift. I, uh, I liked I liked Pinky Tuscadero quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and 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 come on, I mean, even at that age, Betty White was a hell of a lot more appealing than Florence <laughs> Henderson to me. So, uh, you know, not not thinking of her now. So I want to go yeah. back. To, I want to I want to know, Joe. I'm going to start with yes. you. Did you see this in 1976 when it? Yes,
1: aired? I did. Okay, so I am 52 years old. And I believe uh, I, might, I probably read it in the TV Guide that it was coming up, and I became a Kiss fan when I heard Alive, so you know, huge. And then uh, Mark, when when Destroyer came out, I was disappointed. Um, you know, it, 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 I liked, you know, I liked Detroit Rock City, I liked uh, God of Thunder, but it just didn't sound like Kiss. And Beth, I hated. So when this special came on, this is another story too. It's pretty interesting because. My dad had a very good friend who ran the box office at an old theater here called Mill Run. It's closed since. But all the big acts came through. And he knew the scoop on everyone. He knew about Michael Jackson. He knew about Bill Cosby, all that stuff that came out afterwards. And this is back in the early 70s. And he would tell my dad this. So he would, you know, he told him about Paul Lynn being gay. So my dad was so against me watching the Paul Lynn special. <laughs> but I had to watch it, and Paul Lynn was hilarious. He was great in Hollywood Squares, and I just rewatched the episode, and uh, it was just yeah, – he, he was a funny guy. But, um, yeah, I watched it. Uh, you know, there was some campy, uh, um, you know, bits on there. He did his comedy routine. Um, Pinky Tuscadero for a young lad uh, was very – very exciting, but yeah, when Kiss came on, I thought it was extremely cool. So they played Detroit Rock City. Um, you know, I could tell it wasn't live; it was it was lip synced, but it was exciting to see them on TV and seeing my band there. Then they go in the Beth, and I was like, oh my gosh! You know, and then all the time, my dad's <laughs> giving me a heart. You know, my dad's like, I can't believe you're watching Paul Lynn. What is this garbage? And I'm, you know, because we only had one TV in the house. And then they uh, wound up playing King of the Nighttime World third, and it was a shortened version, and uh, you know, but it was it was it was cool. It was it was cool seeing him on TV, um, but I wasn't excited. I was I was actually more excited a year later, or you know, several months later when they were on Don Kirshner's rock concert, and they played the three songs off of uh, Rock and Roll Over. I thought that blew my mind a hell of a lot more because you know, Ace Freely did the one hand solo. And that stuff. So I enjoyed seeing him on Paul Lind. I was under a lot of stress because my dad was <laughs> watching it with me and not making it enjoyable. And, uh, but it was cool seeing him, but I was more blown away uh, when they were on Don Kirshner a couple months later.
0: I got to say that Paul Lind is really dated now um, as a host for me. Um, yeah you know he felt very 1970s to me when I watched this you know I flash back to 79 early 79 when I first got here and maybe some of the stuff I saw on TV out then very much in kind of that mold of things I mean uh, about the which team he was batting for I couldn't tell I kind of liked his uh, self-depreciating humor um, yeah. you know and he, he was pretty good on the deadpan you know uh, side of things which I tried to do a little bit at the top of the show but obviously I'm no I'm no uh, Paul Lind um ken let's talk about your first experience with the paul lind halloween special when you first saw it and uh you know any highlights on there for you
3: well i didn't see it when it first came out so i'm not sure i I know we we subscribed to tv guide like like (laughs) joe was talking and uh there must have been another show or something or i had homework i don't know uh that you know didn't you know uh, let me, or become aware of uh, Paul Lynn because I like Paul inn uh, in general because I always watched him on you know the Hollywood Squares and he's always funny on there, uh, and then I was also aware of, of course, the, the, what's her name, the Wicked Witch, and then the other Witch from H.R. Uh, Puffet stuff, uh, Witchy Pooh I guess. Witchy Pooh. <laughs> <Witchy-poo>. Mar- Margaret <laughs> Hamilton, of course, being so, the Margaret um, and so I, I would have been all in on that just alone on that and I was not aware of KISS at the time in 76 I still wasn't somehow I didn't become aware of them yet uh, so It didn't happen. So I watched it, you know, not that long ago uh, I watched the whole thing through like you said there was I saw the old clips Of KISS performing on there, but I did not see the whole show until not that long ago um, probably last year and you know, it it was interesting and it's, it's very, like I said, dated and, and, uh, goofy, um, Florence Henderson. Yeah. Uh, she should just stick to the Brady bunch. I mean, come on. Um, and so, uh, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but again, I didn't see it until just recently. I mean, I would have, I would have been you know right on board had I known it was out so I didn't know in 76 so I I missed the original airing
0: And there's a whole bunch of skits that go throughout this this show I mean the kiss mm-hmm. part of it for which it's become a legend really is really kind of minor I mean obviously it was their first national kind of you know major TV exposure after they'd become famous and made it. You know, because obviously they've been on, you know, Dick Clark and all those other shows, performance wise, earlier on in their career. But here they are. I mean, it's what, about a minute for the interview with Paul, and they all basically nod their head. They, you know, the. The performance of King of the Nighttime World is very abbreviated. Um, Beth is the high point for me. I, I mean, I, I just mm-hmm. love the the camera work on that, and Peter, you know, kind of doing the piano and. <laughs> <you> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Yeah, you know he, he you know he, he does he does fine on it, and it, it, it's just nicely shot. It's kind of you know romantic. They get the vibe for mm-hmm. it. You know, no wonder all the, uh, the 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 moms were ooh, you know, over that song. You know, at that time.
1: The, sure. The two most interesting reveals were one, Peter Chris could play piano, and two. Gene Simmons said that it wasn't makeup; those were their real faces. So, yep,
0: yeah. you know, and, and what I, what I do right. notice on that, we're gonna, I guess, we'll be talking about in a few minutes when we move over to the Phantom, is that his acting skills did not develop between 1976 and 1978 because his <laughs> delivery of that line, you know, was really no better than any delivery of a line in the Phantom. Um, you know, yes. I, I, I like some of the skits in that, you know, the rhinestone trucker, you know, actually kind of funny. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love the one mm-hmm. with Pinky um, in, in that tight outfit, you know, and it, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's exactly. cool. Or st- still a male of a species. But I think, you know, Detroit Rock City and the, you, you hear it at the end, you know, the crash from the audio track, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just it's just so lame. Mark, what about you the first time you saw this and your your overall thoughts of it?
2: Well, the funny thing is, apparently, because I was, you know, watching this throughout the week, preparing for stuff, because I got a, I have it on DVD, and um, I was talking to my older sister. She's seven years older than me, and I mentioned to her that I was going to be, we're going to be talking about this as part of the episode, and she reminded me of something that I totally had forgotten about. Well, and you'll see why. Apparently, when this came out in '76, I would have been three, at this point, point. and. Uh, Apparently, I had watched the original broadcasting because she had lugged me into the living room. She would be watching me and babysit me a lot when my parents were out or working or something. And I apparently watched the whole thing with her. Of course, probably you know not knowing what the heck I was watching at that point, being three years old. right? But uh, apparently, I, I had been quite fascinated by it. I was apparently very quiet and just staring at the screen like lost in space watching this thing especially when KISS came on. They, they, she said that I was just like mouth open watching this thing, you know. But uh, years later, my sister again, we, we lived in an apartment building, and as I started getting introduced to KISS, we went to one of her friends' place. I think I mentioned this once before, this friend who had all this KISS stuff in the floor below us, and uh, we went to his place, and uh, he actually had somehow, this is like years later when the videos first started coming out like the vhs tapes and stuff like that he had a copy of it at that point like and we watched it again then i remember that was the earliest thing of me remembering at least a bit of it but it was mainly just the kiss stuff that i saw because he was always like the rest of the stuff is crap and he would fast forward through it and just get to the kiss stuff right you know one of these total cliche guys like you'd see like in detroit rock city the jean jacket with the patches and stuff so all the other stuff he just it just went over his head right So, But now, in watching this, this week actually, I watched it from top to bottom again, and it's really strange, I had such a vivid flashback of my apartment building when I was watching this, because just those whole, the whole feel of the show, and that kind of humor from the 70s and stuff, it really reminded me of living back in that apartment building, so not only was it interesting to watch for the Kiss stuff, but I also had such a vivid memory of my childhood because of it it was it was kind of cool i kind of dug it on that aspect not only because of the kiss stuff of course but because it was such a great thing to have this memory come back of me being young and how early Kiss came into my life. So it was really cool. I, I liked it. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of skits now when you watch it. You kind of take it with a pinch of salt. You know, it's 1976, yeah. so the humor is going to be a little different, right? And uh, But, you know, the rhinestone uh, trucker was really cool. You know, the whole thing with that was funny. And I, I always liked those segments that they did with the witches. They were always, you know, good in the little midget uh, guy there was like bringing him. out the drinks. Yeah. Oh. And that you know all those kind of things. I mean, some of these, some of the humor. If you think about it, you probably wouldn't be able to get away with it so easily nowadays, with people being so overly sensitive about certain mm-hmm. things. You probably wouldn't be able to get away with some of the humor they did then. But it was, you know, for its time, it's a good time capsule of what the 70s, late 70s, were probably like on television, at least.
0: I think you've just hit the nail on the head for what music is in our lives, that it is the soundtrack to our lives and how when we see something or hear something, it can bring back a memory to a point in time. Like, I mean, that's just fantastic. I mean, nowadays... You know a show like this would send people running for their safe rooms I mean you know <laughs> some of the humor you know it, it's it's still so innocent they're not effing and blinding like they do on t v these days but in in terms of some of the the jokes at the expense of the short fella, you know you just wouldn't be the the p c police would be coming after you for, which to a certain extent is neither good or bad. It's just you know part of the time um that it was filmed. But you know, I, I, I loved going through it and I went off this uh this D V D set and I, I have no idea. It, my, the downside, and I was asking you guys on the board, it did not include the Hollywood Squares segment, so it nice. it, it doesn't it's not complete and I, I still haven't seen that. So, you know, what could they have done to make this better, do you think? Um keeping in mind that it was a Paul Lynn Halloween special, not a kiss. Halloween special. I, you know, I think they balanced it perfectly in terms of introducing them. I always loved the pictures from this set of the band, you know, mm. performing. You know, yeah, they weren't. Yeah. It just looks fantastic. They got the, the glitter balls. They've got, you know, pyro. They've got smoke. They've got everything, you know, that you expect from Kiss. But it's also, you know, the gothic background just yeah. really suits the band very well. Joe, I mean, what would you like to have seen, or what? What do you think was, you know? so good about kiss on there
1: well what was good about kiss was I- exactly what you said they got paul lind and i have a lot of respect for him as a comedian you know you talk about it nowadays you either have to be really pc or just over the edge and you know swearing and and paul lind was humorous for the time because he was he, he was clean but he had this side him that was edgy And I enjoyed that type of comedy at the time. And he, his transition into introducing the band was so cool. Um, it it kind of bridged, you know, his era of entertainment to the, what was happening then with kiss. And I really, I really appreciated the way he introduced them and put him as part of the act, um, saying, you know, nothing more he wanted than four kisses on Halloween and and stuff like that. and, that being said, you know it was pretty cool. They, they uh, you know, they they played Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, and they had to play their big hit in Beth. And I think they gave them a lot of a lot of quality airtime. And yeah, they're they're the most memorable part of the show. And uh, they 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 moved on stage a lot. Um, they had the explosions. They had everything that that was needed to show what the band was all about. And I thought it was pretty cool how they did it for the time.
0: Yeah, totally agree on all of that. And Ross Radley, who's working on the magic book, um, actually shared a layout from his Paul Lind, you know, um, kind of the calendar, which just shows how beautiful, you know, his layout for his book, you know, uses the background of that image. And it's just so impressive how it looked. Um, Ken, you know, what are your thoughts on that question?
3: Oh, yeah, they could have done any better, I think. With uh, representing Kiss, uh, I don't know who came up with the idea of the the gothic background and the chandeliers and the whole bit, but uh, it, it just it just fits the band. I'm, I'm almost surprised the band didn't take something like that and try to do something on stage in that sense, you know, uh, castle or you know, do something like that. I think they've had some possibilities designed before, but it never uh, came to fruition. Um, but yeah, they they did a great shot. Uh, job representing kiss as for the other parts of the show, it's the seventies, and you know I'd have to go back in time and watch it in the seventies to really you know feel how it you know felt at the time. I'm sure I would have just felt it was great because you know. And it was like other variety shows in a way. You watched Sonny and Cher and whatever, uh, Donnie and Marie. You know, I watched those. I I enjoyed those back then. Yeah. Uh, So I'm sure I would have enjoyed that show had I watched it in the 70s.
0: I think the only thing I, you know, again, being a a Johnny Come Lately fan from the mid 80s, um, would have liked to have seen is them involved in a skit a little bit more than, you know, just the the very brief. you know, interview segment, and maybe they had, you know, gone through rehearsals. I mean, I've got all the sheets that, you know, kind of lay out the schedule for rehearsals and whatnot, you know, and it looked like it was just strictly for the music that they were involved in this and weren't considered for any of the skits. But, you know, if you think of later, I think Gene appears on Cher Variety Show, doesn't he, in in a McDonald's uh, skit? You know, it it would have been kind of neat to have seen them trying to do something and maybe mm-hmm. then they could have just, you know, figured out, you know, how to do a better job of, you know, acting. When it came time for them to do their own TV movie, that, that's my only kind of critique is that they're strictly musical guests on this rather than anything else. As for you know everything about it being the '70s and kind of understated and it's so tongue-in-cheek. I mean, it's wonderful. It's like the stuff that you're getting, you know, on records. You know, Aerosmith walked this way, very tongue-in-cheek. You only kind of really get it nowadays and you're like how did they get away with that in the 70s or kiss is nothing to lose i mean it, it's just you know paul lind is kind of those two songs as a presenter mark what about you what would improve it for you if anything
2: well i think from the uh, kiss end of stuff i think they did a really good job i mean i think that they represented themselves well they you know i think from if you look at it from watching it as a young person like how i did I know my reaction was shock watching it, so it must have did the job back then for all the young people who were watching, and I guess that's what they wanted, to reel in people and to get them talking about Kiss. The only thing I could think of, because I did try to do a little bit of homework research on this episode, is that maybe what might have made it better from Paul Lynn's side of stuff in terms of maybe the ratings or stuff like that is maybe to have gotten some of the higher ilk actors at a time like you know like maybe bringing like telly Savalas or somebody to do something you know <laughs> you know or maybe bring in you know farrah fawcett or you know just people like that that maybe mm-hmm. would have you know get them dressed up in some costume and make do some skit you know what i mean like because there's all kinds of people from that time you know like you know charlie's angels was big in the 70s you know maybe you could have had them come in for like a little brief appearance you know like just that's the only thing i think they could have did to maybe make that a little bit better because I was looking through like who were the big stars of the 70s and they were saying you know Telly Savalas, Ricardo Montalban, you know, people like that. You know, right. they could have did like a little spoof. Where's the you know the boss, the plane, the plane with the little guy there, right? You know, so
1: they they could have <laughs> did one little person though. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but they could have used him maybe you know to make it like a little skit, right? To 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 use that little small guy they had there with him, right? But you know it's they could have. I just think that that would have been maybe the only thing that maybe would have made it a little bit better, just getting more of the A-level actor people at the time. Because I know Tim Conway was on there and Betty White and stuff like that, but I mean, really is Tim Conway as big as some of those people I mentioned, like Farrah Fawcett or somebody like that? I don't know, because I'm not, I don't remember much of the 70s, obviously, right? So. You know, yeah, and
0: Paul that's the only Lind, thing Paul, I was, yeah. Paul Lind was hardly an A-lister anyway. I mean, yeah. Yeah. there's no a, there's Conway no was, A-list on here.
1: Tim Conway was fairly big because of the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, um, Pinky Tescadero was the you know Happy Days the flavor of the month. But Julian, yeah. I, I think you brought up a great point about the tongue and cheek aspect of everything, and I think we've lost a lot of that nowadays. I think, you know, Stephen Tyler's lyrics and Gene Simmons' lyrics and Paul Lynn's comedy had a lot more impact to me and seemed a lot edgier than just come out and saying the F word or, you know, and and I listened to, you know, tons of heavy metal and everything. And, and, you know, when when Merciful Fate came out and stuff and yeah, okay that was it was shocking, but, you know, it was too much. And the tongue in cheek, I think, has a lot more uh, art to it and a lot more impact. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and that's absolutely what it is. I mean, it, it's like a joke that loses its humor when you have to explain it. When it's understated and people still get it. Now it's just lazy that it's so in your face, so it, it's just so lazy. There's no making your audience think anymore. And at least back then there would be there'd be stuff slipping by the sensors and you know, the the suits at these uh, you know, stations, whether it was for radio airplay or for T V broadcast, you know, that now You know, they're basically just looking for you not to rip someone's clothes off, you know. So the stuff that would get by, I I think it's a little bit more cerebral by being understated. And it it just shows how dumb we've become, I guess, as uh, consumers of media. So any final thoughts on Paul Lind? I got to say, I ripped open the packaging to this, so I just destroyed its resale value. Damn it. Um, (laughs) You know, now it's it's only worth $3.99. So why don't we we fast forward um, to... yeah. here we are again oh boy 1978 Mm -hmm. oh man and kiss meets the phantom of the park and i've been on (laughs) i've been on record not being very kind to that um and that's the cheesy flicks version which is just basically i guess it's a semi-legal um distribution of the u.s broadcast version i think I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, it's not like the one that came on Kissology, which is the European Mm -hmm. or international edit with all the uh, different songs and the different sequences. I went through a phase, obviously, when I was finishing the Genese Paul, Peter Paul book last year, that I had to watch this a few dozen times. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has done me for life. I I, I really... (laughs) you know i don't think it has the horror elements that really works for a halloween um kind of kiss special i think if it was really a halloween special it could have been more scary rather than Kind of like the comic animatronic uh, animals and creatures, you know, taking them prisoner in in the dungeon and all that kind of stuff. So, Joe, I'm going to go back to you as a child of the 70s. And, you know, what's your take on Phantom of the Park
1: as Halloween material? Something weird happened as a Kiss fan over these last few years now because all of a sudden they became uncool. And I was still a fan because they were the reason I liked hard Rock. So, I remember going to my cousin's house to watch this, but I was kind of like, you know, I was the only guy that was still, everybody else was getting into other bands. Uh, you know, the Judas Priests and ACDCs were starting to come out, uh, Van Halen, Ted Nugent. Um, so, I went and watched it at my cousin's house, and I was really hoping for something cool to, you know, have my friends think they were a great band again, you know, have other guys that were into them. My cousin really wasn't a fan, although he liked hard rock. As a good side note, my cousin actually took the, um, Van Halen album and took the liner and erased their faces and put kisses, makeup on them and sent the kiss army a picture saying that we have reason to believe that Van Halen is Kiss without makeup and he wanted a ransom and all this stuff. So that's how crazy he was about that. But so we wind up watching this and I, it was just so embarrassing. Um, Gene Simmons with his monster voice saying Star Child. And you could tell it wasn't Peter Chris's voice. And it was just really embarrassing. And I think the most embarrassing part for me as the Kiss fan, who became the fan because of Alive, is when they had the evil band play Hotter Than Hell is Rip and Destroy. And they were making fun of the music I actually loved the most. And it was kind of like, you know, this. the music we used to make sucks even though it was a couple years before and the music we're making now is what we are and I kind of had, yeah, it didn't feel good to be a Kiss fan at that point so I came away from the movie uh, even more embarrassed uh, being a fan of the band but I did not stop being a fan Do you
0: think they just didn't you know make a kind of ha- if they're making it their kind of their full feature broadcast on halloween that it wasn't halloween enough or you know is it just a victim of the 70s that you know that kind of camp factor and what they went for plus their skill just meant that it was never going to be very good and they could never make a good you know capture kiss into a, a tv show
1: it obviously was a mess and you know everything you read about it it was just a disaster i i don't i I don't i still even after i read i don't know what they were thinking i don't know what you know you talk about ace and peter being angry the entire time during filming and taking off and having to get stunt doubles and aces stunt double wasn't even remotely uh looked like him whatsoever (laughs) um but why would gene and paul agree to go through with this stuff i you know it I don't know <laughs> how much drugs was bill a coin doing. I, I, I can't figure out what they were thinking and, and the explanations. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But, oh, it's so bad. It really is. And I've watched it again and I can't even chuckle. I, I, I just say, I just go, you know, what were they thinking? But yeah, but the, the part that really, really perturbed me was when they did the rip and destroy and they were the evil band. And I'm like, you're putting down, I, I like you you know and uh i still see it that way so yeah the the movie uh, i don't have good feelings about <laughs> kiss meets the phantom of the park whatsoever just ter- it had that terrible uh that terrible uh, after school special music in the background for dramatic the <laughs> music it was just just awful
0: Okay, well, I think what someone really needs to do is replace all that background music with porn music from the 70s and see, and see if it makes it any better. Mark, what about you?
2: Well, the funny thing, again, with this is that I remember here in Canada, around Halloween, they'd always play it, like in 79, 1980, 81. They'd always play it around that time. And in 1980, again, being babysat by my older sister, we were at my this time at our apartment, and all her friends came up to our apartment because it was a big gathering of the Kiss people to watch Kiss meets the Phantom. Now I remember when they were watching it, the jean jacket dude there again was there, and he apparently was just not impressed at all. Like he thought this was garbage, and he thought it was terrible. And meanwhile, you know, a little you know, seven-year-old me sitting there on the sofa watching and thinking, this is pretty good. I don't mind this, you know, and telling him, I think it's pretty good, you know. And one thing that I vividly remember, probably the only thing I remember about watching it back then is that he told me, he goes, you're young. In a few years, you'll understand why it sucks. That's what he told me. My sister even reiterated this to me like a few days ago that he told me that, that he said, when you get older, you'll understand why this sucked. And for the longest time, I hadn't seen this. Then when I was in hospital uh, for, when was this? This was not for anything too serious, but I was over because something to do with diabetes. I was in the hospital overnight for something. And my girlfriend's mom brought me Kissology 2 to the hospital. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, to kind of liven me up a bit. And I opened it, and I saw that they had the movie in there. So I was like, okay, wow, I haven't seen this for like years so i put it on and i just remember that i was laughing my ass off in the hospital watching this because you know it's supposed to be like you know a halloween movie but there was nothing remotely like scary about this movie at all it was just so funny watching this and you know the fact that it had music from the kiss solo albums i thought for me at least made it a bit better because rather than the bad you know after school music that Joe was just talking about, you at least had music from these solo albums that you could at least palette a bit better, right? So um I actually didn't didn't mind it so much. The one thing now though in retrospect, after watching this quite a few times, I kind of have to give the band a bit of props for one reason. I I was thinking about this from a band perspective. Now, of course, I've been in a few bands and none of them are as popular, remotely as popular as Kiss or as busy as KISS. But we you know, I had my fair share of busy times where there was months on end of playing shows and going on doing this, going to Europe, blah 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 blah. And just to think about doing all those things. And how busy your schedule is just doing that and then on top of it to be told guess what guys you're going to be now doing a movie now for tv on top of that i mean that's really stressful and uh, that's really strenuous on somebody to do that i mean there's a lot that's a lot of time that you have to commit and you've already committed so much of your time touring and doing stuff like that it's not a not surprising that some of these guys might have, might have been getting burnt out by this point, and where the conflict might have started from or why these conflicts were happening because there's an element of burnout. You know, these guys have been touring nonstop since like '74, and all of a sudden, when they're maybe affording some time when they can take some time off because of their popularity, they get thrown into the eye of the storm, and now they have to do a TV, you know, television movie, which, you know, they're not actors. They even said it themselves. You know, what are they doing in a movie like that, you know? But I mean, I can give them some props and respect for, you know, going forward and doing something like that. And, you know, it, it was it must have been difficult because it's hard enough just touring and going across the world and entertaining people like that, just doing that and then to be expected to do a movie on top of that. It, it must have took a little bit of a patience on their part, patience that obviously ran out in some degree.
0: I think that none of the bands that did stuff in the seventies of this kind of, uh, flavor, if you think of Aerosmith playing the band and uh Sergeant peppers come across yes. very well, you know, n- none of these rock and roll productions are, are that good. Um, and, and I would even go as far, I, I never got the wall. I saw that. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I was like, you obviously have to do an awful lot of drugs for that to make sense. And I'm not doing it. It, it ain't going to make sense. Um, Ken, Phantom.
3: Well, you know, I saw that Phantom uh, when it first aired. Uh, I remember it, uh, you know, I guess it was the 28th of October, um, a few days before Halloween, and, and uh, I was excited about it. I had just uh, bought the solo albums and, and that sort of thing, and, and I was still, you know, just in '77, I was just getting into them. Going back to 77. Um, so I was excited uh, about it at that time. And yeah, I watched it. And you know what? At that time, when I first watched it, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the whole movie. I mean, you know, it may have been watching it again over uh, the following years uh, when I when the VHS came out and so on. Um, then it was, I, I looked at it like, man, it's not as good as I thought it was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> originally,
3: uh, but when I first saw it, I, I I watched it with my sister. She she watched it with me, and uh, and we both enjoyed it. And and the best parts is you know when Kiss was on screen, uh, that was the best parts. And and when they were playing on stage, that was the thing that really you know I got, I liked the most of all was them just playing live. Um, so it was good back then when i first saw it uh i I enjoyed it
0: i think when we did the show dedicated to the phantom the kind of overall feeling of the the group was that the attack of the phantoms is a far superior cut to what was on tv in the Mm. us with the integration of the solo album songs it kind of drew itself together and made far more sense as a 1978 kiss package than the tv version did with all that bad background music um (laughs) you know um but but i think for for phantom it is what it is i hate using that phrase it really is a child of 1978 i see to a certain extent bill or being more interested in his 20 percent than necessarily being interested in the quality of what was actually you know bringing that money in it was an opportunity to get them on national TV and kind of the ends justified the means that that it just did not matter because none of them were Oscar worthy actors anyway so (laughs) they they were going to ruin a script whether it was written by whomever or you know the schmuck who you know probably ended up writing a lot of it so you know it, it shows a kind of a lack of attention the one thing i really miss from this and it, it doesn't work in terms of the real kiss timeline because of double platinum coming out in early seventy seventy eight, 78 is that it would have been wonderful to have had a soundtrack album specifically from this mm-hmm this uh tv movie tied in with it particularly taking those individual songs from the solo albums that you know kind of a a best of the solo albums the the two songs from each maybe plus the yeah. all, you know they worked up You know live versions. I'm looking at some Electric Lady uh, bill sheets here, you know, for Shock Me, Got a Thunder, Rock and Roll Night, Black Diamond, Rocket Ride. Obviously, there's the John Trapia acoustic guitar version of Beth, which, you know, if they'd done Strutter 78 earlier on in the year, you know, acoustic Beth later in the year on a, you know, on a compilation would have made made sense and obviously the abomination of rip and destroy so you know the, the, there's plenty of material to kind of have made and so on some fans have put together their own unofficial compilations that's the only thing that really i find missing from this error is that the the original soundtrack should never have been music from the elder it should have been music from the phantom um which i which i think would have been you know a missed opportunity for for uh Product because Kiss. You
3: know what, yeah.
1: You know what was most disappointing for me about the movie, though, um, and this goes back to the Rip and Destroy aspect. I loved Kiss initially because they were a dangerous band. And mm. at this point, they were officially no longer dangerous because they made this comical movie and they were fighting the, their dangerous image. You know, the, the evil band playing Rip and Destroy. that I perceived that right off the bat and that's what i that's what really disappointed me about kiss meets the phantom they were no longer a dangerous band at that point and that's that was the big appeal to me yeah point. And
0: do, yeah and, and doesn't that go back um, to 76 then and marks you know we're going to bring up destroyer when they went from leather to costumes mm. don't they lose the danger once they have strings
3: mm-hmm. yeah more and more they're 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 losing their their yeah. you know as time goes on, they're becoming more of a, a, you know, comic. Um, so it's becoming more, uh, safe, you know, becoming more safe. Um, though I like your idea. What they should have done in the movie is had the kiss that was already an imposter kiss. The other guys, the stand-ins or whatever that is, those were the trying to be the good kiss. But then the actual real kiss was the evil kiss. (laughs) And that, maybe it would have yeah. worked better i don't know
0: <laughs> I, I i think just having a different script and would have probably worked well, a bit
3: better yeah.
0: you know? that's, that's probably it, yeah. you know but yeah. but in going through lots of tv guys and newspapers and crap like that over the years one thing i, I do notice is that this thing has been on tv a hell of a lot actually so it's in the early 80s, 81, 82, uh, the years, I think, Mark, that you were mentioning, the thing was always on late night. I mean, there's barely yeah. a week that would go by that it wasn't on in some part of the country. So it was either very cheap, you know, to fill that time slot with it. Um, you know, that it, it's definitely had an impression. But I think compared to the, the Beatles or, you know, even the Rolling Stones, it's no hard day's night or, you know, <laughs> it's more magical yeah. mystery tour.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sergeant Pepper's yeah. Lonely Heart Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not not good, but I I I I I think, you know, kit, Kissology definitely presents it the best that it is. And just going back to Paul Lind, I think Kissology does not present Paul Lind very well at all. Um, you, you get the one song, you get the one part of the interview, and it's really pretty crappy quality. So, Kurt, where, where where's the original film? You know, you you sitting on that for some reason,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, for, for everything with Poland, I would love to see that in crystal clear. I don't know what the the story is with the original prints, and whether that uh even still exists or or what because if you think of how beautiful the Phantom looks on Kissology I would love to see Paul Lynn look that way as well so why don't we move yeah. move on from here unless anyone has any final thoughts on Phantom and I want to say missed opportunities before we go to some other official uh, Kiss Halloween stuff and 1982 October a certain album yeah. came out and I think this is probably the biggest miss opportunity uh, for the band at a time when they needed it the most, but one that is hardly surprising that they miss considering how screwed up they were, how dysfunctional, you know, they, they fire a coin in April, at the end of April 1982. They're recording the, the tracks for killers, which becomes the sessions for this album. And then they're struggling with ace, they're doing a promo tour. And I just think if they had combined the release of Creatures with a Halloween special in 1982 of some description a tougher edged one because obviously they were coming back into their heavy metal glory they were you know basically putting on the black leather again euphemistically speaking of course that they 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 could have done something but they probably couldn't have done anything because no one wanted to hear about Kiss, unfortunately. But you know, it's just one of those things. It would have been the ideal time for them to, you know, if they had a manager who had some pull to do something. Th- thoughts on that? Shoot me down. Tell me I'm an idiot.
2: Well, I, I I think you're absolutely right, though. I mean, it is it is such a great uh, idea, and if like you said, if they would have had somebody who had the capacity to steer the ship correctly, they could have did it. I mean, in one way, when you look at The i love it loud video they're almost kind of hinting at sort of a halloweenish thing with those kind of possessed people walking at the end of the video there i mean if they would have made something based around that like some sort of a halloween special based around some kind of like you know ghouls or zombies or stuff like that and have the music from that album as the soundtrack to it what a way to what a way to promote it you know like to have some sort of an hour-long thing like that where, you know kisses you know whatever another sort of fandom of the park maybe idea but more up to date at that point and instead of you know the sort of tacky amusement park thing it could have been something in like a, in a graveyard or something like that or in a haunted castle with zombies and demons and they would have had that music from that album playing and it could have been a good way to, to promote the record I mean it's a great record and now you know back then it didn't sell well. And now years and years later, everybody loves this record to the point of where they're, you know, focusing on it on a cruise for all things, you know. So obviously, its mantle has greatly increased over the last 25, 30 years. So but I mean, even back then, I think they could have given more legs if they did something like that, which would have maybe boosted the attention of the people and put more eyes onto it, so to
0: speak. Joe, for you as a Kiss fan, is Creatures a Missed Opportunity? Um, it, when you think that we go from 1978 to 1998 without anything Halloweenish from the band,
1: well, are we going to touch on the Tom Snyder interview though? Because that was mm-hmm. a
0: Halloween.
1: Yeah, we will. So, so okay, all right. So that because I think that kind of plays into the Creatures thing because they were dead. They they were absolutely dead when Creatures came out, but it was kind of cool because. Um, It was like, you know, I I was I was a freshman in college and heavy metal was so unpopular on college. And it was like me and a handful of other guys. And and Kiss now was in that fold. They're back again with this heavy album and they were with Iron Maiden and and, uh, Saxon and all these other bands. And it was like our band again. So as far as a missed opportunity, I don't know really what they could have done at that point because of their lack of popularity um, as great of an album as it is. And yeah, it's amazing that they're going to be playing, you know, they're paying tribute to it on the cruise. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking maybe, you know, MTV, I don't know if a network would have even touched them at that point. Maybe they could have done something with MTV. I mean, the, the theme is there. The cover is there. Um, the music's definitely there, but I don't know what kind of opportunities they even could have missed at that point because, they were so uncool, at, you know there. And and I saw him on that tour. You know, the, my, the previous episode I was on with you when we did the Wendy Williams. You know I saw him in that tour and literally, I mean it, it says in Kurt Gooch's book there was 3,000 fans there. There there couldn't have been. I mean, and and it was that tour where Eric Carr threw a drumstick and went over the crowd and landed on the floor. We all went back. <laughs> it ran through the drumstick. So yeah, I. I don't even know if there, there was there would be an opportunity for them to miss. That's I guess that's my point, um, because they were so unpopular and uncool. But that being said, it was really cool to our little heavy. They were back in the heavy metal fold. They were our band again. So it was they were dangerous again, and uh, that that's what that that's what the appeal for me was personally.
2: Yeah, well, you got to remember they were kind of it was almost like at that point they were rebuilding thing from the ground up again right so you know in a sense because of doing that yeah, i think i think it would have even made even more sense to maybe have attempted that to put something on tv i know they might probably would have had to beg and scrape and you know wash somebody's car or something car some tv executive's car to get on the air but you know it probably would have helped to help get them back up and rebuild it a little bit quicker if they would have did it but again missed opportunity right
0: yeah, and yeah. and this is a time when the the I Love It Loud video went into medium rotation on MTV, which meant it was getting one or two plays a day. So you know, there was just, and that's at a time that there weren't that many videos, so they were yeah. hardly, hardly getting a whole lot of 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 play. You know, sorry, I've got stuff going on around, around me. <laughs>
3: Understood.
0: Ken, uh, we, uh, any thoughts on that before we uh, step yeah, back I... to the Tom
3: Snyder? I don't think there's anything they could have done. I mean, you know, they were dead at that point. I don't think anyone wanted to touch them anymore. It was already already radio didn't want to touch them, of course, which they never did in the first place. But TV, I don't think it was going to touch them, uh, especially after you know the Elder and <clears throat> things that happened before that. So, um, they, yeah, they were they were dead in the water. Um, it's possible that had they not fired uh, Bill O'Coin that maybe he would have come up with something and through his connections got something for them. Um, so I I think that could have been a big problem that they maybe they should have shouldn't have fired him and should have kept him uh, in my opinion. But, uh, and maybe something good would have come out of that. Um, but still maybe not, you know, uh, it, it was it's pretty tough. And like, you know, Joe said, you know, you know Eric Carr threw the drumsticks out. I, I think he threw one out at my at the one show I was at, uh, and it, it didn't even make it to the to us. And Gene Simmons had the drumstick in his mouth, and he was hanging over me. I was right in front of the stage, and he was hanging directly over me with his drumstick in his mouth, right above me. And everyone's reaching up for it, and he, he dropped it out of his mouth, and everyone... When I thought I was going to get it. I swear, I, I thought I'm going to get this, this sucker, and I didn't get it. I was like, uh, you know, everyone just <laughs> dove. It, it was something. But uh, that was my opportunity for a jumpstick at least. But, yeah, they, they couldn't have done anything.
0: So let's go to Tom Snyder. And... I, I don't think there's anything better. It has absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to do with Halloween other than it took place on uh, Halloween and was an absolute nightmare <laughs> so and it's probably the most brilliant piece of kiss related TV ever. you know it, yeah. It's just one of those moments in time, unplanned, except for maybe Ace and Peter uh, you know wanting to stick it to the man. Um, it's awesome. It is just awesome i don't think um you can watch that too many times and if you're if you're really having a bad day you might as well just watch that and imagine the bad day that gene and paul were having and you know it's just watching a train wreck so so joe take us away on your recollections of that i I gotta step away for one second
1: so at this point um kiss no one in my where i live liked kiss except for me and literally there'd be there were, there were they were called the, the freaks who liked the hard rock and then you had the uh the the disco guys there'd be like fights between the rock guys and the disco guys well my favorite band comes out with a disco album so where am I? You know, it, it, it put me. <laughs> I was on an island as a Kiss fan. So anyway, I, I find out they're going to be on Tom Snyder. I had a TV in my bedroom. and um, You know, I stayed up, had it underneath my cover. I had one of those little TVs and watched it. And I just was amazed because I was such an Ace Freely fan. Um, you know, I thought it was just so cool that Ace was the guy talking and laughing with Tom Snyder. And I really, you know, when I watched it the first time, um, I didn't pick up so much on how Gene was... I mean, G- I just thought Gene was trying to be intelligent and smarter than everybody else in the room. Um, Paul really didn't give me an impression whatsoever. Peter, you know, I thought it was... I, you know, I thought he showed a little personality too, when He talked about his gun collection. Now, subsequently, as, as Julian has said, I think between this and the Kobo show... I've watched this and the Kobo show most. I have all kids footage. I can't get enough of this, and I have dissected this. <laughs> the personalities, just the fact you know that Ace really was lit up and just, you know, rip-roaring. and um, It's interesting because now I don't find him as funny as I did originally because you realize how lit he is. Um, and then, you know... You know, Peter Chris is sticking it to him by talking about his gun correct collection. Yeah, but and then you could see Paul. And after reading Paul Stanley's book and how he just he doesn't know how to fit in in the group dynamic, you know the, the makeup is actually coming off at this point. You see the real personalities. But man, Gene Simmons is so uncomfortable. When you I still watch this day, I still feel so uncomfortable watching Gene Simmons. And the way he reacts to everything, when Peter's he has a gun collection, and, and not real guns not real, guns. guns, not real
3: toy guns, toy guns, <laughs> yeah. And uh,
1: and and, uh, and Tom Snyder asks him about, uh, you know, his, his hobbies. Oh my God, the, the hobbies. And Paul Stanley says he wants to be a crime fighter. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck That's are you stallion. talking about? the drunk guy is making more sense than you two because you're so uncomfortable. It just, I, I just find this to be such fascinating footage. I don't get enough of it. Um, I watch it at least once a month. I have, it's a guilty pleasure. I have to watch this interview because, uh, of the personalities of my favorite band and how uncomfortable Gene Simmons is, how awkward Paul Stanley is. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's a work of art. I really do. Um, I And it must for any fan to watch. And and that's where I come out of it. Yeah, so. <laughs> it, it,
0: it's just impossible not to just say exactly what you've just said, <laughs> Ken. Yeah. You, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: I, know. I, well, I, well, I watched it on Halloween night. Uh, it was after coming back from, I had, I had the Gene Simmons makeup on actually that night right. and when I saw it and then came back home and. I watched it, I think it was my mother, Um, (laughs) and uh, it it was like, I was just transfixed on the TV, and I thought Ace, I didn't realize he was, you know, drunk at the time, because I didn't know, I'd never seen him in interviews or anything before that, so I didn't know what he was like, but I wasn't expecting him to be like the spokesman uh, of the band when you know he's he's kind of uh, overriding everything that you know Gene and Paul you know are doing. So he, I would expect Gene and Paul to be talking the most, uh, but uh, you know it, it was just <laughs> it was just crazy. though I thought Gene yeah was was kind of trying to be in character you know for the demon because that's why he looked so pissed. Uh, but it wasn't because he was trying to be the demon. It was because he was really pissed. <laughs> um, uh, the most part. You know, he kept saying to, to Tom Snyder, oh, are you having a good time, Tom Snyder? You know, and, and Tom Snyder was like, huh? Yeah, I'm having a good time. It's because Gene wasn't having a good time, he said that. Uh, the only lighthearted moment for Gene on there was when he said, oh, you know, he says as he sees there's a live human being on the floor. I guess there must have been a, a bug or, or, or who knows what, a roach or something running across the ground, and they all cracked up, but. Yeah, that was... I can watch that thing over and over. It's It just cracks me up. Um, I never get tired of it.
0: I wonder if Gene and Paul can watch it. Uh, Mark? <laughs>
2: well, um, I didn't watch it when it originally first came out. Obviously, I was still pretty young, but uh, getting it and watching it now in retrospect now, it's it's just like what all of you have said. It's It's hilarious. It's funny it's you know uncomfortable it's all those things at once when you watch it and again watching it from a from a and watching it from a band perspective sort of thing i know that there's been times when you you know being in a band dynamic too where you've had something like that happen too where you're, you're in a situation maybe on radio or something and then one of the guys starts going off on a tangent about something and you just start covering your hand putting your face in your hand and going, what the hell is he doing like you know and you just want to go over there and smack them right so i can i can kind of relate to uh paul and gene's sort of uh you know uncomfortable feeling when something like that happens but you know what i mean i think that you just have to take those kind of things in stride i mean you know like if this is a band that was an under ultra pressure and you know maybe a situation like that was just what ace needed to kind of cool off for a minute you know drink a bottle of vodka or whatever it was with Bill coin there Dump and you know it, yeah and it made for a and it made for a, an interview that we we're still talking about today so did it do its job oh, hell yeah I mean it, it's kept kiss being talked about for a long long time afterwards I mean and I I really I really love watching it too I mean it's, it's just so comical it's too bad that the version of it on the uh, kissology is not the full version of it but you know, you can still watch the full one on YouTube. They have clips of it everywhere on there, so it's easy enough to watch it. But I mean, it's just, it's it's just the kind of television that nowadays you would almost hope you could see. Sometimes I'd love to see an artist go on, like you know, a late night TV show and, you know, go on a complete, you know, waiver like that and just come out, you know, completely tanked and see what happens. I mean, I'm sure it's probably happened in the last 20 years. There's maybe been somebody who's come on who's been wasted like that. But, you know, I think Ace, you know, made the blueprint wait, for wait, something wait. like that. They're,
0: they're, they're never wasted. They're always dehydrated now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think there are, there are a couple Letterman episodes that, right, the Jerry Lawler, <laughs> yeah. the Jerry Lawler, um, Lawler and Kaufman, yeah. and then the uh, one with um, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix. Uh, Joaquin oh, Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. And then there's. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple Letterman ones came close to this, but yeah. Uh, this, I mean, this,
0: it, this is just legend. I mean, you, you've got the Sex Pistols on evening TV with Bill Grundy swearing. Granada. Bre- right? Yeah. You yeah, know, well, fucking raw. Um, and then you've got, <laughs> you know, it, just imagine if this had been during primetime. I mean, this was pretty late night, so. You know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of those who actually got to see it at the time, it was probably a, a much smaller audience. But just imagine if this had been in primetime, it would have been up there for the most notorious <laughs> moments in television history with the pistols, uh, just be, just because. And I think if it had been in primetime, Gene and Paul would have been freaking out even more. So just imagine <laughs> what could have been from that perspective. But um, and it's going to take the cake. That is the Halloween nightmare for kiss is the tom snyder show and nothing else can ever be as scary as horrible <laughs> just watching two guys who i think most fans do care about Gene and paul um suffer
1: <laughs> you know the- why julian uh, uh, why, why would paul stanley say he wants to be a crime fuck? that was the most bizarre i think that was the 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 strangest part of the whole thing
0: because he he couldn't he couldn't run away from where he was he was i think it's a freak out i mean when when you're under pressure you say some pretty odd things and i think that is him just having a breakdown and i want to be i want to be a crime fighter and run away from here as fast as i can
1: is there someone i can go save i'm coming (laughs) <laughs> i believe tom, tom snyder makes fun of him after he He, he does he, he gets a little jab at him after he says that mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. That, he, he, that takes the cake
0: yeah he's he's <laughs> merciless so why don't we why don't we move on i oh, just uh to, to let you know what was going on with uh my background noise yeah i love it when you buy something on ebay it turns out to be signed by gene so nice yeah awesome. nice yeah, because everyone wants the Singapore edition of that fucking album. <laughs> well done, well done.
1: All right, it's
0: so, so let's move on to. I, I guess it's the Halloween weekend, 1998, and everything that's tied mm-hmm. into um, awesome. Psycho Shithouse and <laughs> awesome. You know, Mad TV. I, I don't remember if I I taped yeah. those because I was at the dodger stadium show actually seeing the band rather than sitting at home watching tv um you know i i, I don't remember much of the mad tv being anything that appealed to me um and, mm. I, and I don't think i've been back since to watch it but what else came, was millennium wasn't it that week
3: Oh, Millennium, yeah. Yeah,
0: and that one, obviously I've got the, the that season DVD set, I think is actually really cool. I loved Paul Stanley in that, playing, I guess, the director who gets all slashed up. Um, Ace and Peter were the cops, and I don't remember what Gene was.
3: Um, yeah, I don't remember what Gene was either.
1: Yeah. Is that Mad TV, Mark? Yeah, yeah.
3: That's Mad TV.
1: I thought we were going to the um, Dodger Stadium. That's. It was all part of the same. It, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. it's it's the,
0: they
3: broadcast some of the
0: show
1: on the yeah, radio. I,
0: they Well, later on on the radio, yeah. because, uh, you
3: know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I watched it. Uh, I watched Matt TV, and then after that, they had the simulcast uh, type thing on the. Uh, it must have been on the computer right internet and uh, and I watched the beginning I don't know how much they showed of, of the Dodger st- Stadium show but I, I watched it I was watching it from my computer um, all on that same night I had watched it, it might have been the same time as mad TV I, I can't remember but either I recorded mad TV or I watched mad TV and then watched the uh, the the uh, Dodger Stadium thing um, but the the mad TV was I, I enjoyed it all the kiss segments. I mean, they had never done anything spots like that before. Uh, with them being like these life-size dolls uh, <laughs> where he crushes the other kids, you know, they crushed the other kids dolls. And then the, the mother wants to take Paul Stanley uh, from the kid and yeah, uh, use her, use him for her pleasure later on. Um, and then the other, the best seg- segment I probably was maybe uh, the segment between uh, kiss and Mike, My- the Michael Jackson. Uh, battle yeah, right. scene too there's the other scene that Mark's showing me about the uh supposed to be a lifelike figures you pull the you pull the pull the string and then they something happens so yeah, yeah it was all good I enjoyed it
0: I've never watched that I, I, you never watched it? no i didn't even didn't even watch it too. To prepare for this show because you know what i was at dodger (laughs) stadium so that is my that is my halloween um i i just never went back and
3: saw that so it's the blood on the kid's face Uh, (laughs) it's it's, it's hilarious but but, i mean it was it was it was good something different for kiss and they got some more exposure for them
0: and and that really is the key for me that that whole thing surrounding You know psycho circus was really a pretty cool time you know it's yeah they're on tv on a tv show they had the mad tv even though i didn't watch it they had the simul view of the the show they had Mm -hmm. the radio show of the concert they had the you know the smash and pumpkins dressed up as the Beatles 64 at the concert and the Mm -hmm. circus that night so that was a pretty good halloween simple for me because it's the only one of the ones that we've talked about today that i actually am a participant in um so yeah a, a kiss concert on halloween uh, in a pretty unique situation cool. the only time i'll ever be in dodger stadium um you know <laughs> you know it is is uh, pretty good joe what's your take on that whole that i
1: guess well, the mad the mad skits and I'd even go back and watch them. I, I I do remember the Michael Jackson thing, but I I was blown away by the live Psycho Circus because the album and you've gone over this. I you know, the album's lame, but the song Psycho Circus is one of my favorite Kiss songs. So I just thought the live aspect of it was it just blew me away. And Kiss was a Kiss was happening again, and I just thought it was so cool. That being said, you know, th- then I went and listened to the rest of the show on the radio, and the set list was really good. Um, but I, I want to hear more from you, Julian. What was it like to be there? You know, what was it like? To, what, what were the Smashing Pumpkins like? What was the atmosphere like? Because just that seeing them play Psycho Circus, I thought was awesome. So I would really like to hear what it was like to be there live.
0: Well. After four beers, um, it was it, it was very fun to be there live. You know that was my my first time traveling for a Kiss show, and that was actually my first ever live show you know if you think the guy who runs the faq will have seen every tour going back to 1974 no wrong you know i did not get to see the band until halloween night 1998 so i was losing my cherry at the same time as seeing them but my my seats were so shit, i never got to my seat i You know Mm -hmm. just stayed in the like a walkway around the back because i was just so far i had a great view of the circus you know and and the the guy riding the (laughs) motorbike around and then you had the the infield or outfield or wherever the hell it was i I don't remember um Mm -hmm. they were performing in the outfield i think and it was just so far away smashing pumpkins came on and i was like i've never heard any of their shit who the hell are they Mm. what are they dressed up and so no they're dressed up as the beatles 64 i'm like well they're not the beatles um you
1: know (laughs) chicago band come on (laughs) you know
0: simple as that so i i wasn't into the pumpkins never have been uh they didn't do anything for me as an opening band what struck me though i was still pretty fresh off the plane from scotland was how fucking big Dodger Stadium was um, and just how massive the whole production was that night. And, you know, I was just blown away more by the fact that I was there finally at a Kiss concert, getting to hear Psycho Circus live for the very first time, um, Into the Void and Within. You know, and they played Nothing to Lose that night. And I think I was Made for Loving You, which didn't uh, survive into the tour, those two.
1: Um, Did she also? yes yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah yeah i think yeah. it was she and nothing to lose i, I, I don't I'm not, recall i'm not going to look up the set list but you know it's, it's that much of a blur you know so it,
1: being, being that far away did they did they try to do the 3d that yeah, far you have
0: the glasses on i didn't bother with the fucking glasses i was okay. so far away it, it was a pointless exercise and and with also you know it, i'm sorry everything's 3d you know, it's just stupid <laughs> to me, yeah. and I never, I never did Jaws three D either. So you know, I'm just a killjoy when oh. it comes to that. Mm. I was so far away that I couldn't, I could barely see the screens, so it wouldn't have wow. mattered. And I remember Paul fucking around with the camera, and it just looked so awkward and dumb um, that I was just more interested in the music. that that was what it was about for me it was about the music it was about the show you know what is you know the new tour going to look like what's the set going to be like what are they going to be you know doing are there going to be any new gimmicks um you know and and a bunch of the 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 people i I guess i was around at the time you know went to the day before rehearsal and show so you know it it was all kind of wrapped up in that so it i mean for me it was just everything that you would want your first KISS concert to be a historic occasion because that's essentially what it was. You know, the first night of a tour is always a special occasion because you never know how it's then going to adjust afterwards. And they didn't go on tour, I think, for two weeks afterwards, uh, you know. So it, it, it was it was just special, you know. Got to meet a lot of cool people as well. Um it was all the, the K.A.O.L., the Kiss Army Online guys from A.O.L. back then. And, you know, just just awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's, and I don't remember that much. You know, I, I, I look back now at that show <laughs> on Kissology and it's one of my favorite parts on the whole Kissology series. Just because, you know, when you're a part of it, it it brings back those memories or it, it sure. is those memories because those, mem- those brain cells are long since burned.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it's you know it's interesting, though, that you bring that up because there's two concerts I can think of off the top of my head that I went to. One was a Metallica one where they had Danzig and Suicidal Tendencies opening here in something called Molson Park, which is huge, like 60,000, 70,000 people in this outdoor thing. And then I saw Aerosmith, Metallica, Warrant, and Black Crows at the CNE Grandstand, and that was another huge thing. And that was for the "Injustice for All" tour for Metallica, so they were really, really big at that point. And it was, you know, and I was in one of those positions too, where I was so far back that when I saw the drummer with through binoculars from Suicidal Tendencies hit a snare drum, I saw him hit it, and then I hit, heard the snare like a second later. Mm-hmm. Like that's how far back <laughs> I was from it. I was like, you know, I barely could see anything, but those kind of shows are more of, for the vibe there's so many people there you can mm-hmm. meet people it's like a gigantic like outdoor field party almost you know like if you're going there just to expect to see every little nuance of the show forget it you're not gonna do that but if you're there to have a good time hang out with people hear some great music really loud i mean that's what it was more about and i'm guessing that's more what it was like for you julian to have like just like a to experience the the environment and the surroundings of that show
0: right oh absolutely i mean come on how many stadium shows have they done in the united states you know simple as that i mean it it wasn't 1976 so it wasn't roosevelt stadium or anaheim but i was in a bowl in a stadium with kiss in the u.s i mean tiger stadium i mean there's probably only a few others you know in their history have been part of a what was it i think 35 40,000 all told there. Um you know, there's not a lot of Kiss fans i guess who get to say that they were part of an audience that large. And, yeah. and and i'd much rather say that i got to see Kiss with 40,000 other fans than say someone who saw the Creatures tour and called out for pizza for everyone. Yeah, no. And, don't know, get me wrong. I would rather see the Creature Store, but you know, in, in terms of yeah. the audience, I'd rather be there with a bunch of maniacs than you know a band kind of breathing its death sigh.
3: Yeah, that show, Julian. That's the one where they they uh, got stuck in traffic on the way back to the hotel, right? And they got out of the their limousine or whatever it was, and they actually yeah. walked, walked back to the hotel. with the other people that you know had makeup on, people, people a lot of people thought that. They were just guys dressed up like Kiss, <laughs> even though it was the real Kiss, and they and they they, they weren't even bothered. They just walked down the you know yeah, back to the hotel.
0: I, I I don't remember that much. I remember you know getting kind of taking a. a Uh, a ride and i I seem to remember like the 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 neighborhood was a bit uh barrio and you know stuff getting thrown at the cars as they were driving up to dodger stadium and i guess maybe they had the wrong team stickers on their bumpers or something um i don't know whether that's a figment of my imagination but i was like holy shit uh you know and and then getting back to the hotel and you know it, it was just crazy so you know that that's one of the standout memories for my for my personal history but you know Happy it's Halloween! Cool.
1: So, and it, being a guy from Chicago, I have to say, so I do like Smashing Pumpkins for the most part, um, but live they're never good. Um, so I, I I was just wondering what it, what they were like dressed as the Beatles opening up. I, I'm I'm sure they didn't make much of an impression that night.
0: No, you know, for someone who didn't know anything about the Smashing Pumpkins and still doesn't, all I thought was, oh, that's neat. You know, getting into the Halloween spirit, dressing up as, you know, the Beatles. I mean, yeah, that, yeah that's cool. You know, simple yeah. as that. The, that. the music, I didn't know any of it. I mean, it's like me going to a fucking Bruce Springsteen concert. I just sit there and fall asleep because I don't know any of the crap he's playing. It was the same thing with the the Pumpkins. Number one, I wasn't there to see an opening act. You know, after I got over the kind of, oh, look, they have a circus. Oh, how are they going to take that on the road? That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, where that, was the circus? It was, if I, and people can uh, who were there and had had less beer to drink than me can correct me, I, I think it was around home plate um, mm. in, in the infield, um, but, you know, from my perspective of where I was on a baseball field, having gotten off a plane from Scotland earlier in the year, you know, I'm just not going to be able to tell you, <laughs> it, you know, it just, it was opposite to where the band was i seem to recall so i've never seen any really good photos of from that night either i mean that's that's one thing that that's really missing you know the whole layout you look back through old issues of like billboard or you know some newspapers and you'll get to see anaheim and that whole stadium absolutely packed uh with the high wire guy you know doing his thing above it you don't get any of those shots of dodger stadium Um, from Psycho
1: Circus you get quite a bit of Tiger Stadium too from the reunion but yeah
2: do you know what though I'm very surprised about that that Kiss don't even have pictures of that and the reason why I'm surprised about that is because this essentially was Gene Simmons Kiss World idea come to life finally years and years after the fact and of course just like they told them back then in 79 that there's no way in hell we could have this thing go on tour with them it never went on tour with them this time either, but at least they got to erect it once, right? Because I know that's in that book that uh, uh, Chris, uh, what's his name? Lent. Lent, yeah, that wrote. That was a, there was a huge chapter on that whole thing, how they wanted to do the traveling amusement park, and there it is right before your eyes. And I'm surprised they never took pictures of it because for all the time that they were pushing to do it back then, why didn't they take pictures of it and show everybody, you know? Well,
0: that might be why. They did take pictures of it, and then they saw... Oh, my God, this does does not work. I mean, who knows? It would be interesting from a fan perspective. They must have had photographers. They must have had people with, uh, you know, photo passes, you know, taking lots of shots. And there must be a reason why there just aren't that many from that night, you know, that maybe they just said, this is not a good idea. Sorry, Gene. Nice try. We we gave it a shot. We can't take this on the road. Just...
3: Hopefully that'll be in uh, Ross Radley's book. Yeah, it'll um, be interesting. he finds some pictures.
0: So. Be interesting to see what he comes up with for that because yeah. you know it it was impressive, but it was odd. You know, it was kind of a, an uncomfortable uh, melding of the different arts. I just I you know I would just rather whoever stole the Peter camera uh, feed from that show return it um, <laughs> because I would love to see that show restored to its full glory and actually mm-hmm. have the proper Peter camera. Yeah in it (laughs) so let's talk about other possibilities for for halloween and kiss um i i think the cruise is the obvious one you know and they're gonna do it this year and they i guess they've been doing halloween for the cruise for the most part over the past you know five years so but creatures of the sea creatures of the night is just, like, so obvious now. So I'm glad they're doing that, and I'm really looking forward to getting reports from people when they get back from the cruise of how the band really kind of gets into the Halloween theme with the Creatures of the Night um, side of things this year. So I I think this is probably going to be the last of the kind of Halloween-related kiss things um, in in terms of... Any thoughts on that, Joe?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, obviously... Halloween, you always see people now dressed. As, I, I've gone as Paul Stanley four times. Um, I, I don't know why not the other characters, but I, I went as, as Paul four times on Halloween. So you always see the people dressed up as uh, Kiss characters on Halloween now. But, yeah, it seems like the cruise is something that's a staple um, of their uh, corporation, and it's done all around, uh, around Halloween. I, I can't wait to hear uh, what they do on this and see the footage. I'm really interested to see how Tommy Thayer if he's going to just wear the jumpsuit with the lightning bolt going down it what he what he's actually going to wear um mm-hmm. on stage and what uh, Eric's going to wear too Eric Singer uh, is he going to wear Eric Carr's old costume I but cuz that was you know Fox related so I'm interested to see what kind of costumes they're going to wear on the cruise but it seems like that's their um way to move forward on Halloween um aside from Selling uh, merchandise uh, related items, um, yeah, I think that's where that's where they're going.
3: Ken, how about you? Yeah, the, the only other Halloween thing besides that, uh, maybe th- that their next opportunity, if any, would be their final, like a final performance for Kiss. They're if they're you know going to end it and say this is it, guys, yeah, they could do it on Halloween night. They can make it a Halloween night thing, um, like we said. I said before, you know, Central Park, something like that. Um, so that's that's about it. Nothing else. I can't think of anything else that they can do uh, for Halloween. Mark.
2: Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, kiss is just an exemplification of halloween i mean they're mm-hmm. in makeup all the time and you know when you see kiss it's like halloween coming to your town that that day you know and uh, you know it's funny you mentioned joe that you were paul four times you said you had dressed up as paul yes. uh, out of all the all the times that i went out dressed up as a kiss member for whatever reason and i don't understand why this always happened but i always ended up being peter I mean, I'm a guitar player, and I never went out as Ace or Paul. I was always as Peter for some reason. But, you know, it was always fun to go out and to do that. Um, having the older sister, again, that was also into the graphic arts, who was also, like, a amazing, you know, artist who could do the makeup, like, perfectly. You know, it was fun to get my friends over, and we could go out, and everybody was like, oh, that looks great, you know, when we came out to, the, to get candy and stuff like that. So it was, you know, for me... KISS is Halloween you know what I mean like I mean I don't know what more they can do to give me that feeling of Halloween because you know even older merchandise and stuff like that it just seems like anything that you get from the store from them would work well in Halloween you know I mean even their Christmas ornaments that I have some of them they look like they would be better used for Halloween than for Christmas you know so it's I think KISS is just the perfect band to you know give you that Halloween feeling uh, I'm, I'm very curious as well to see what's going to happen with this cruise because I keep hearing things and you know people saying, that, oh, they they heard Gina interview saying that they're going to do the complete album on the cruise, which I find unbelievable to no believe because there's no way I think Paul could sing some of those songs now. But people swear they heard it from Gene's mouth, but that doesn't mean necessarily it'll be true, <laughs> yeah. right? right? so But I'm curious to hear – and, and to see what they do with it just like joe said like what are they gonna wear is is tommy gonna wear those ridiculous sneakers like ace had in that time too with that lightning outfit there yeah you, know? you know and it's 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 just it's fun having this kind of a situation where you don't know for certain what's gonna happen and you know and you don't have those kind of experiences with kiss much anymore now so i, I i'm kind of enjoying it now while i can to just you know have a little bit of a head scratcher and see what happens
0: and that's going to be an episode that's coming up so you know that that is our little trip through you know the halloween special that kiss has been involved in i deliberately did not mention gene simmons trick-or-treat i try not to mention any of his individual acting efforts just out of kindness really but um we'd love to hear your thoughts on what is your favorite you know kiss halloween related um Episode or you know, you know those things that you got to enjoy
1: for the first time, Joe. Uh, yeah, I'd like to say one thing. Everybody out there, and uh, Marcus, if you have it, can, do you have the Odyssey book with you?
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Can you show it? Uh, uh, everybody re- out there, you gotta read this book. It's if you were a Kiss man, get this book. I, I, it's, it's amazing, Julian. I just, I commend you for the work. I hope you guys. Do a show on it because uh-huh. um, it's just a it's 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 a great book. So if you if you want to call yourself a Kiss fan and you don't have the book, get the book and read it. That's hey,
0: all I have. To say. Joe, you know Tim and I totally appreciate your kind words on that. You know, obviously yeah. labor love, a lot of interviews. Uh, you know, who, who knows what we're going to do with it. Uh, you know, we appreciate every, well, every see, everyone who supported it. Have
1: loved it. Man, I'll, I'll interview you. I'll if you want to do a book signing, I'll help organize it. Whatever you got to do, but uh, it's it's just a fantastic piece of work. It's up there with Chris book as far as I'm
0: concerned. Hey, that's high praise indeed. All right, folks. So let's end end on that happy note. Thank you very much. I'll have a smile now. Um, so, episode ninety five. Is in the can. Uh, join us on Facebook, on the FAQ message board, Spreaker, or wherever you watch and leave your comments about the episode, what you liked, what we missed. Did we miss anything Halloween related, in your opinion? You know, it's uh, all part of the conversation. We thank you for I'm listening. Plugged. Yeah, true. <laughs> yep. Um, and we will see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final, there are no refunds.